0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Comcast Business. Is it possible to get business internet you can really rely on? It is, with 99.9% network reliability from Comcast Business. Powering possibilities.
1: You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Hey everybody, Emily Kwong here, sometimes host of our fine podcast. And today I've got science correspondent Jeff Brumfield in to discuss antimatter.
2: Yes, antimatter. (laughs) Antimatter. I'm so excited to talk to you about antimatter. And Emily, I know exactly what you're thinking. The antimatter pods are rigged to blow up the moment we go into one drive. Star Trek, right? I mean, antimatter is a huge part of Star Trek.
1: All right. I know the Vulcan salute. Live long and prosper. That's about the extent of my knowledge of Star Trek. But I get your point. Antimatter does kind of sound like science fiction.
2: But it's real. That's the cool thing. Yes. Antimatter particles are these strange mirror particles to the stuff we see all around us. And scientists have made it using a giant particle accelerator in Europe. They're studying it because they hope it can answer some fundamental questions about the universe.
1: Okay. Not entirely sure I get it, but by the end of the episode, I assume we all will. So today on the show...
2: Antivatter, what it is, how it works, and why one scientist has spent decades trying to trap it.
3: This message comes from NPR sponsor Solgar. As people age, cellular function declines, which may impact changes in energy and strength. Solgar Cellular Nutrition is a holistic collection of cellular nutrients formulated to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Learn more at cellularnutrition.solgar.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com.
1: Jeff, I have a lot of questions about antimatter, but can you just start with regular matter? What is that?
2: Yeah, so a refresher for those of us who don't remember. Regular matter, it's a broad category for everything. So you're matter, I matter, the studios matter, the microphones matter. Yeah, I I get it. It's
1: matter, uh, and we matter. We do
2: matter. It's a nice thought. Yeah, and as matter, we're all made of atoms. So you're a bunch of atoms in the shape of an Emily Kwong, and I'm a bunch of atoms in the shape of a Jeff Brumfield. Got it. Now, for antimatter, I'm actually going to let another Jeffrey, who knows a lot more physics than I do, answer this one. His name is Jeffrey Hankst, and he's a researcher at Aarhus University in Denmark.
0: Antimatter, I, I think of it as kind of an evil twin of the stuff that makes up our everyday
1: world. Intriguing. Go on. It is. It is. It's just this
2: kind of opposite matter. It's like this mirror to everything that's around us.
1: So, antimatter, it's here right now? Yeah, I
2: mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but antimatter is real stuff, and it exists in our universe. And actually, before anyone ever even detected it, they predicted it, because math
0: the equations of physics demand it. In fact, it it was discovered that way, you know, by coming up with an equation that predicted its existence when nobody was really looking for it.
2: And I am not going to attempt to describe the fundamental equations of physics on this podcast because I don't really understand them. (laughs) Um, But Hank says the closest analogy he's got for us mortals to think about is this math problem. What's the square root of 4? Two. Very good. But there's a second solution, negative two. Oh,
1: okay. Right? Because oh, negative yeah, two times right. negative
2: two is four. Mm-hmm. So the way you just went straight to two, that's exactly kind of what happened in physics. Like, there were these equations, and there was a positive set of solutions for particles, and a negative set, and everyone was like, the negative set, what does that even mean? That's nonsense. But it turned out there were these negative particles. They did exist, and they're called antimatter.
1: Oh, Okay, so there was this theoretical idea of antimatter kicking around for a while, which kind of explains what it is. But what is it exactly?
2: Here's the thing. It really is like opposite matter. So protons, do you remember protons?
1: Yeah, they're positively charged subatomic particles.
2: They are. Antiprotons are negatively charged. Electrons.
1: They're negatively charged.
2: And their antiparticles are positively charged.
1: Okay, this is kind of amazing. It
2: is kind of amazing. And here's the best part. It actually lives up to the sci-fi analogy. So just go with your vestigial sci-fi brain. And I get it, Emily. You're more of like Colin Firth, Pride and Prejudice, BBC, you know. There's
3: no shame
1: in it. There
2: isn't. There isn't. I've seen it probably more times than you have in my life. But what do you think happens when matter and antimatter uh get together, when they actually meet.
1: Okay, if antimatter is the evil twin, mm-hmm. they fight. They duel.
2: They duel. They duel or... Like in a
1: Jane Austen novel, they duel.
2: Well, you're not too far off, but I'm going to let the actual experts explain it to you. Fine.
0: Matter and antimatter have a tendency to cancel each other out. Finally. Wait
1: a minute. Where is
0: this quote? Precisely. <laughs> Under certain conditions. <laughs> when two identical particles of matter and antimatter meet.
1: These are your experts, Jeff? <laughs> Captain Kirk, if they meet. and is that Leonard Nimoy as...
0: Annihilation, Jim. Yes. Total, complete, absolute annihilation.
1: As Spock?
2: It is. That's right. And you're right. That's Star Trek season one, episode 27, original Trek, the best Trek Uh, But here's the thing, Emily. It's actually 100% accurate, or pretty close. So the universe won't end if antimatter and matter meet, but the two particles do disappear in a flash of light.
0: The antimatter can't exist in the presence of matter. That's where the the science fiction stuff comes in. These things really do annihilate each other if you get them together.
2: Okay, so I've covered a lot of physics over the years, and this is pretty much the only case where the sci-fi and the reality match. Although I will say, Annihilation is actually a lot less sexy in real life.
0: It's really uh, just annoying to, to have to deal with something that you have to make and that the universe is trying to destroy at every, every, every turning point.
1: Sounds hard to be an antimatter physicist.
2: It, it is. I mean, he's literally been doing this since the 90s. And like, he does get a little frustrated.
1: All right. You said earlier that antimatter, it's here in this universe, but this universe is full of matter and I don't see any antimatter lurking around. So where is it if it's, it exists in theory, but is hard to find in reality? I don't get this.
2: You know who else doesn't get it? Every physicist on Earth. Like, Aww. this is one of the fundamental questions. The equations say there should be as much antimatter as there is matter. But in practice, antimatter is actually super hard to find. And Hanks says nobody knows why. There, there aren't any good
0: ideas about this.
2: I mean, physicists do see little bits of antimatter here and there. In fact, Anti-electrons were first discovered in cosmic rays coming from deep space way back in the 1930s. Mm. And actually, I've got another natural source of antimatter right here in the studio, Emily.
1: In this room.
2: Yes. You ready? Yes. dun dun, 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 dun This banana.
1: What earth are you talking about? <laughs> Is this even a real episode? Is this an episode about nothing and tomfoolery? <laughs> <laughs> Tom <laughs> Can I hold the banana to make sure it's real? Explain. I'll Explain.
2: Yes. Okay. So obviously the banana is not antimatter. It's a banana. It's matter. But here's the thing about bananas. Bananas are full of potassium, which is really good for you, but there's also a radioactive uh, isotope of potassium in a banana called potassium-40. This is a naturally occurring isotope. Um, So some portion of the potassium in the banana is potassium-40. Now, here's the thing. Potassium-40... When it decays, it usually releases an electron, but very, 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 very rarely it releases an anti-electron. So if we just hold this banana and wait.
1: (laughs) For for how long are we waiting?
2: Okay, Uh, we'd have to wait 75 minutes.
1: We're a 10-minute podcast, Jeff. We can't just sit here for 75 minutes. What
2: I'm hearing is seven-part series on antimatter, Emily Kwan.
1: (laughs) And a meditation in silence.
2: That's right. No, so on average, this entire banana will spit out one anti-electron every 75 minutes. I think this really makes the point well, right? Like, antimatter exists, it's not some parallel universe, but one tiny uh, anti-electron from trillions of banana atoms is, like, even that's a pretty rare thing to have happen. And Jeffrey Hanks wants a lot more than that. That's why he's at this giant particle accelerator at CERN in Switzerland.
1: Okay. So tell me what he's up to there.
2: Well, Hankst wants lots of anti-electrons and, and this is key, anti-protons. Okay. So it turns out the anti-electrons are kind of easy. You can find other radioactive sources uh, besides bananas that can make a lot more of them. Um, and then the accelerator makes anti-protons. Okay. And here's the thing. So you have to very carefully, Hanks has to bring the anti-protons and the anti-electrons
0: together. We call it smurge. <laughs> it's a smooth merge.
2: Smerge <laughs> Smurge. But even after that, smurge, they still end up with a lot of antimatter just disappearing. Mm.
0: 30 million antiprotons, that's converted to 100,000 or so trapped antiprotons. Of those, we'll get 20 or 30 that actually make antihydrogen that we can use.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa anti-hydrogen? Is that what I just heard, Jeff? What is that?
0: Anti-hydrogen
2: is just one anti-electron orbiting one antiproton, And it's the antimatter equivalent of the lightest element on Earth. So that's regular hydrogen. Whoa. So he's willing to go to all this trouble just to get a few atoms of anti-hydrogen.
1: But why go through all the trouble, you know, of making anti-hydrogen?
2: Okay. So here's the thing. He's hoping to get some clues from anti-hydrogen about matter and antimatter. And the thinking goes like this. Hydrogen is the lightest element in the universe
0: and... Hydrogen is probably the thing we know best. We've been studying it forever. We really understand it. So by looking very, very carefully at antihydrogen,
2: he's hoping that they can learn more about what's going on with antimatter. And that's basically what he's doing. He's using lasers and all kinds of stuff to probe this antihydrogen to see how it behaves.
1: Well, has it shed any light on where the rest of the antimatter is?
2: Not yet. Not yet. So his latest results were just published, which is why we're talking today, and so far... Antihydrogen is behaving exactly as predicted by all those fundamental physics equations.
0: And so far, uh, with the the places that we've looked and to the precision with which we've looked, they're the same.
2: And that's kind of a problem because the equations also say there should be as much matter as antimatter. So unless they can find some sort of deviation, it may not be possible to figure out, you know, where the antimatter went. Um, So we don't have any clues, but that's okay because he's just getting started.
0: This is really early days.
2: There's lots more questions to answer, including, and think about this one, Emily, matter falls down. What does antimatter do? Fall up or down?
1: This entire story feels like opposite day. Fascinating. Well, Jeff, there's so much more to learn about antimatter, clearly, and so much more Star Trek to watch. I'm converted.
2: Excellent. Live long and prosper, Emily.
1: You've been listening to Shortwave from NPR. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Ramirez, edited by Viet Le and fact-checked by Emily Vaughn. We had engineering help from Stacey Abbott. I'm Emily Kwong. See you next time.
0: I've been with this field through its entire evolution.
2: So if there's one thing you could tell the average human about antimatter, what would it be?
0: Uh, Stay away from it and do something else with your life. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Easy Cater. Committed to helping companies from nonprofits to the Fortune 500 find food for meetings and company events. With online ordering and 24-7 live support. Learn more at easycater.com.